Hi, everybody. My name is Lynn McTaggart. Welcome to my podcast, Living the New Science. In these podcasts, I'm covering some extraordinary discoveries by frontier scientists and other new thought leaders and why this changes everything we think about how our world works and also how we should live our lives. Today, I'm going to share with you an amazing conversation I've had with Lee Carroll recently. For those of you who may not know him, Lee Carroll is the author of 16 books. Well known in metaphysics, Cryon is one of the best known channeled names in the world, and Lee is his channeler. But it's not just about channeling. Three of his books are about the indigo children. These indigo books introduced the world to the term indigo children in 2000 spawning many follow-up books by various authors, a movie, a documentary, and lots of interest worldwide. During our conversation, we discuss what Cryon predicts about the coming evolution and what's in store for us, the bigger you, and what powers you already hold inside yourself to evolve with this coming change, and also how to use these gifts to navigate through these challenging times. Welcome everybody and welcome Lee and Monica. Thrilled to have you here with me. Thank you, Lynn. I, we were just saying, if and if I can say it now to you and you're listening, um, you're hearing me all right? Yeah. Good. good. You, Lynn, you are my hero. And I want to say that face to face to you. And I've said that to thousands of people when you weren't around because you have pioneered the very thing that we teach. And you're the first one who has put the groups together, how I studied coherence and actually looked at it before anybody was measuring it and you were measuring it. And so um, I, I look at that and go, does anybody really understand how, first of all, how long you've been doing this? And also that you were the first one in my book, you're the first one who's ever tried it and that got everybody's attention. And uh, even you know, Joe Dispenza, now he, you know, he's so on board with measuring. And of course, the film we did together, that all happened way, way after what you done. So we've been doing this a long time. I've, I'm in my 32nd year, <laughs> but I, I think it's very similar to uh, what your work is too. I mean, been doing a long, long time. Well, thank you so much. And I, I think that this conversation really needs to be about where we go from here because mm -hmm. we've been talking about that and people are really frightened and by the way if if anyone hasn't heard of my books who are listening right now i've written four books in this field uh the field the intention experiment the bond my latest book the power of eight and I've also run intention experiments which is what lee's been talking about testing the power of intention to affect and heal the world. And we've run 40 of them now, um, and 35 have shown measurable, positive, mostly significant effects. Everything from growing seeds to uh, purifying water to lowering violence in war-torn areas to yeah. healing people. And yeah. we're also shrinking that down into power of eight groups, healing groups. So that's what I do. But together, we've both been looking at now what? So Lee, why don't you fill us in on what you've been hearing from Cryon? Um, where are we going from here? And how come we're undergoing so much 
tumultuous stuff. I mean, you know, we're hearing about crisis in every area of our lives. So what does he have to say about that? I would like, what I would love to do is to take the folks on a trip and just tell them that this, everything that you're experiencing right now is on time and expected, according to all of my channeling for 32 years. We started this uh, with Cryon saying he is um, he is connected with magnetics and people wondered what the world is, what does that mean? Then come to find out, and this has only been in the last, I would say, 10 years or so, that the magnetic grid of the earth actually responds to consciousness. And we're starting to see why then the magnetic grid shifted. Now, 32 years ago when Cryon came in, 1993, and I wrote the first book of 12, Cryon 14, actually, I, I, keep, I can't keep track. Cryon said that the magnetic grid of the planet would shift. And then we find out that we're, consciousness is related to that he also said that in the precession of the equinoxes, there would not be uh, in the year 2000, a world war like we've all predicted and scripture said would happen where there would be no Armageddon. But he did say there would be something called the great shift. And that would start about 2012, the precession of the equinoxes and go for a number of years and to expect difficulty. And the difficulty would be that of a war of dark and light. Now, that's a consciousness issue. We would be looking at something that we would have to sort out. So we're in it. And people are shocked and disappointed and frustrated. And to me, it's right on schedule. And the, the, the underlying silver lining of all of this is that if you are starting to awakening to, to, a, to a larger truth, and not just frustrated and wringing your hands and saying, perhaps there's something here. I would like to just enhance this trip. That is, we are looking at a planet where more light is starting to occur. And that is the battle. And the battle of, of, of COVID and everything else is very, very related to this. What are you seeing right now? You're seeing frustration and whys because things are changing in a way that you didn't expect. How are you reacting? And this is why Crying says it's up to us in how we react to this and hold our light and hold our peace that's going to affect everything. Now, Lynn has proven that in all that she has done, that consciousness and all that you think changes the planet. Lynn, would you agree with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So what if... The, the thousands, the tens of thousands, perhaps the hundreds of thousands who might see this and everything Lynn does and everything we do in these next months start a consciousness shift. And that is to say, they're going to draw peace to themselves. They're going to stop watching the news. They're going to understand what's going on and start sending light to everyone involved and be peaceful themselves. Now, you've got to, you've got to, you can do this in groups and you can do it yourself. And when you start understanding that the consciousness that we have individually changes the what's around us, almost like as you start to be peaceful with yourself, as you start to look at a grander truth, is there truly a creative source? And is that creative source part of us? Can you have peace through this? It's almost like you're a lighthouse. You're starting to broadcast that coherence to your group around you, especially your family, and more. If enough people do that, this planet changes, and this is the battle. And COVID has really uh, exacerbated that. That is, I mean, it's really 
it, it's 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 you know it's better than having a world war, folks. But it's still it's still very very difficult, and that is what Crian told us to expect. And here we are. Now there's a there's a bigger truth even in that, you know how we do this, and that is why so many are um, on our shows, for instance, and the healers talking about changing the subconscious, reframing what we think and how we think, and ways of getting to a peaceful place. And the interesting thing is about when we get to that place, great things happen. <laughs> and this is where Lynn can tell you about the, the power of aid and all of these things. It's not just getting people together to, uh, to, to get peaceful. It, what happens is things start to happen in your life, things that you've expected and want and, and uh, have anticipated. It really is about how you structure your thoughts. What do you expect? You expect bad things. I want to tell you about the field. She'll tell you about it as well. If you sit there and expect bad things, you're going to bring them in. This is a powerful, powerful new energy we were in. We have new tools today that we've never had before. And so it's a bigger picture. It's not just a snapshot of we're frustrated today. This is going to last a while, and it's a test. And that test, many are passing. Can I... I know I'm just going on and on here, but if you want to take a look at some light you didn't expect on this planet, what about the Me Too movement? Now, people will say, well, that's a nice thing. That we're starting to get a higher consciousness and seeing what's going on. Hundreds and hundreds of years, that particular, um, I would say, attribute of how we treat women and the societies and the consciousness and everything else and the the glass ceiling and all that has been with us. And suddenly it's broken open. Now, what a coinkydinky, what a coincidence that that would happen in this time of all times. And what about um, priests abusing children? How long has that been going on? And that's broken wide open. You know, it really has. I mean, a thousand of them in Pennsylvania or uh, Pittsburgh, I think, sorry. Um, and, and then the Pope addressing it. That is spectacular that's a example of light starting to come into consciousness and what you're seeing is we now have i would say a new energy we have new tools and we have new abilities we can even go into ourselves and touch our very soul that is that is amazing new stuff and what it creates in us is hope and so we are right in the middle of a battle i think you feel it and that is why all, all of us are coming to you right now and starting to say, don't be frustrated because it's right on time. The world is not going um, down. It's going up. It, there, there are those who will wring their hands and say, it's never happened before. You know, we're, we're going down. There's doom and gloom. What if it were the opposite? What if what happens when you shine light in a dark room that's always been dark? You see the dirt <laughs> and all the dirt you're starting to see. Brian says, you're going to see, you're seeing corruption. You're seeing things that are not right. You're seeing uh, governments do what you didn't expect. Uh, you have decisions to make that you didn't think you'd have to make before. All of that is the light shining and the dark starting to show. The dirt is starting to show, folks. What are you going to do about it? And so you can be frustrated or you can start listening to people like Lynn McTaggart <laughs> because she has proven, proven with measurements that coherence can change the planet. And now we are streaming and we're forced to stream. And Lynn will tell you, we, we, can't, we can't go out and present. 
Not yet. We've, we're, we're just barely opening the door to that. And what has happened in that is suddenly we're reaching tens of thousands more than we ever did before to give them this message. How you think, what you expect, and how you affirm changes not only you, your life, gives you peace, but those around you and eventually the planet. And you're going to start seeing shifts you didn't expect. So right now, we're just at the beginning of that. I love all of that, Lee. That was such a brilliant way to frame what our conversation is going to be all about. And I'm going to just add the scientific piece to it, which is, I, I'm so thrilled that Kryan said, hey, this is right on time. Because what's really happened is, and I, I've been talking about this since my book, The Bond, in 2012. Um, it came out 2011, right before 2012. And everybody was talking about the end of the world then, the end of the Mayan long count calendar. And, you know, it was right after the financial crisis. And so people were saying, oh, it's the end of capitalism as we know it. It's the end of oil. So it's the end of food because it's the end of oil. It's the end of the world, the beginning of the end of the world. But what I recognized and, and believe is that it's the end of a false story of who we are. So what we've been following, and I say this many times, what we've been following is the wrong scientific story. You know, we are only, we define ourselves according to science. Science writes the story we live by. And the scientific story is more than 300 years out of date. And at that time, Newton discovered many things that help us you know, create machinery, for instance. But he essentially described a world of separate objects operating according to fixed laws in time and space. And that work that he did was bolstered by the ideas of Charles Darwin, who essentially was very influenced by population explosion thoughts of the day. And so he came to believe that there isn't enough to go around. So life must proceed through struggle, survival of the fittest. Not his meme, his, his good friend and publicist meme, but it became his slogan, essentially. So that I, those two ideas, uh, separatism, being, feeling, being separate and, and competitive, that we have to fight for survival. Competitive individualism became our leitmotif. And that's been the, the way we've lived our lives. And as Lee says, we've come to the end of days of that. So that kind of mindset has got to us to a place where we're essentially eating our own children. And so we're seeing it collapse. We're shining that light into those areas. And so we have to live in a new way. Now, what I've been working on and discovering is about the qualities we have inside ourselves that have always been there, but that we've denied. We haven't believed we have this ability, that consciousness has the ability to affect matter, that thoughts are things, not only things, but things that affect other things, but they are. And I've discovered it, I've proved it, and I prove it in my Power of Eight groups. I help people get into Power of Eight groups, both just out there and also through my books and also through my courses. And I was just listing the other day, the power of consciousness on 
the groups I'm working with right now in my master class is just finishing up. And, you know, we have everything from Lori, who healed her own detached retina. Doctors told her she was going blind. She has 20-20 vision now. We've had a guy called Jerry who healed his broken ribs in a couple of weeks, thanks to his group. We have people who have discovered new careers or found new life purposes, all of those things through the power of thoughts. So we can understand this as something we've had inside ourselves, but we've just needed the story to disclose this. And so I think this is the big opening of this new story. Um, the big opening that, you know, of course we've been, you know, we've been talking about for, for several decades now, but now something that's become much more compelling and immediate because we need that new story. The old story isn't working for us. So we need to welcome this tumultuous ride right now and understand it's bringing us to a recognition of the powers we have inside ourselves. And Lee also talked about those magnetics, the effect on the magnetics of the earth. So I like to call us an intergalactic superorganism because we're attached to the earth and the outer reaches of the solar system, it's attached to us and we affect each other. And we have found profound effects, solar effects on human beings, not only the heart and the brain, the two major engines of the human body, but also on intention. And curiously, the sun has been very, very quiet. It's had unusually quiet. So this may be another aspect of what's going on now to change what's going to happen for us, but happen for the better. And as Lee says, I really want everybody to understand that this bumpy ride now is just, it's a, you know, it's a bump in the road. It's also a fork in the road. And we can choose to understand our human capacities in all their grandeur, finally, to understand that we are opening to a new way of being. And we have to embrace that and realize it's never going back to what it was. And thankfully, it's not. I'd like to talk, I'd like to talk about just personally. Um, the, the power people have, it's always been there. Let's now, she mentioned, uh, the, uh, Lori who, um, healed her retina. Um, I have seen this as well. There are so many stories that we can give you about people we know who have done miraculous things. And you're saying, well, you know, this is, this is, is an exception. It is not an exception. <laughs> and this is what we're teaching. Um, just for a moment, it's been in front of us hiding all along, and this new energy we have now is going to make it even more powerful. Let me ask you, if you believe in homeopathy, and most Europeans do, um, most Americans are just kind of getting online with it now, homeopathy is, 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 a, is a, a signal to the body. That's all it is. Um, the parts per million in, in the uh, tincture that you take under your tongue is not powerful enough to change any chemistry in your body. And that has been, you know, proven by the AMA who gave it a razz, I think, two years ago in the in their magazine that said it didn't work. <laughs> it was really funny because it does. And for those of you who, who know homeopathy, it's a signal to the body and the body then does it. So 
what does that tell you? It tells you that within your own body, it is waiting for signals. Um, the placebo effect is really um, the, the drug companies hate it because it screws up all of their <laughs> their their tests because you take a sugar sugar-coated pill and you think you're going to change something and it changes something. And so what does that tell you? What does spontaneous remission tell you? It all in wraps up together in something I don't think that, you know, that medicine wants to have you know, and that is you yourself have the power inside of you and always have to heal yourself to of anything of anything, the body will react. For years and years, if you want to talk, the story that Lynn talks about, the narrative that Lynn talks about is the reality we've been told, that we live here, and that everything below us, we just hope works. And we take pills to make it work. And we go to the doctors to make it work. And all along, that whole body of yours, trillions and trillions of cells, according to what we teach and what we know, will react to something, and that is you. Your consciousness is in charge of your own cellular structure. Think about it. Don't you think that's the way the creative source would have built your body? <laughs> Do you think that, it, that the creative source created you just to sit there and hope it works? And that's not the right. That's, that's not true. You are in charge of your own cellular structure, your own chemistry. Brian gave a, a channeling the other day. He says, if you have a, a tumor... Where do you think it came from? Do you think outer space? Uh, do you think it came from another dimension? It came from your own chemistry, probably because you weren't talking to your cells or you were expecting bad things. In other words, you are so in control of who you are and what happens. And we know this because those who start to understand it and talk to their own chemistry and affirm their own using start to change. It's just like, it's like I would say consciousness homeopathy you can start to change your own situation. That is the design. It's been designed that way and forever. It's been like hiding. Suddenly, it's out in the open. We're talking about it. We're talking about coherence. What about coherence with your consciousness, with your body on a daily basis where you talk to it, tell it what to expect? We did what we call our circle of 12, um, it, there, where uh, you have a situation where you meet with your cells. I mean, this is, I know this is funny, but this, it's, it's an exercise. And the cells are applauding because they never, <laughs> you're there for the first time. <laughs> so you open the door and go, cells, are you listening? You're going to get chills. You can do so much for yourself with this, including being a little more peaceful with who you are. There's so much power here to heal yourself, become, um, I would say, far more peaceful in life. I'm a spiritualist, so I approach things from perhaps a more spiritual aspect, but I'm also an engineer. So you got that mix of the, the nerd and the, uh, the left brain here, and that's why I love the science, and I love the science that Lynn talks about. She, she mentioned Newton. Can I just this may not fly in this program, but I want to talk about Vera Rubin, who is not with us anymore, who is an astronomer who discovered something that does not fit with the story. So in science, it's almost like the, the what Lynn was talking about. There are so many issues of what physicists 
And science has a story and a narrative, and they were told, and they won't depart from it, even though there's proof they're wrong. Vera Rubin saw something in other galaxies, and not to get too nerdy here and all like that, but all the stars were going the same speed around the middle. That's not Newtonian. Uh, it, it doesn't work. And so they, what they did, instead of saying, hey, Vera has discovered a new law of physics, they said, no, there is no new law of physics. Newton had the only laws. And so they invented um, um, an energy uh, that, that, that they labeled that would fit into Newtonian science, which now they're even looking at and saying, eh, that doesn't work either. In other words, the story, the narrative, in all scientists, it's difficult, very, very difficult to break, especially in medicine. So we're looking at something that Lynn has pegged too, and that's the narrative, the story. We've been told things and it's really hard to depart. Absolutely. And yet we have so many studies, as you say, Lee, I mean, my favorite placebo study is this one. This was done by Ted Kapchuk and he had people who had carpal tunnel syndrome. So they had, you know, repetitive strain in injury in their wrists. And he took this whole batch of them, divided them in two. Half of them got drugs and the other half got acupuncture. And about a third of them suffered really bad side effects and they even had to take to their beds. But the majority of people got better. Now here's the kicker of this study. The pills were just sugar. And the acupuncture was sham acupuncture. So this study to me demonstrates expectation more than anything else. The power of our thoughts. Those people who thought it was going to cause a side effect, well, it sure did. Mm -hmm. And those people who thought they were going to get better, they did. But it was mm -hmm. only the power of their minds. And there are so many, so many instances of this that what healing comes down to in so many cases is thoughts and words. Mm -hmm. I mean, I talk to, I, I do a course for healers called and doctors and nurses and all kinds of therapists, alternative or otherwise called become a better healer because it's all about retraining them in thoughts and words because all of the studies that you see indicate that the way the doctor's going to handle it with the patient essentially determines whether he's going to get better or not. Now, when we start, let's just unpack that for a while. So the person's expectation of healing is going to mobilize everything in his body to heal or not. So that's just one indication of the powers we have. Now, we've talked about the power of creation and thoughts, but we also have the powers to see beyond our senses, remote viewing, we have extraordinary powers of precognition to sense what's going to happen. We have the ability to go back and forth in time. Um, our brain doesn't, which isn't the repository of consciousness, by the way, but it, it, there's no place in the brain that understands time. Time to the brain um, past is understood by the brain in the same way future is. They can't distinguish between them bizarrely. So that really tells us that we do live in a kind of quantum reality that is above time and also above space. 
So what we have to do in our new story is to start coming back to the idea that we are energy and we are creators and we have the ability to move energy with our thoughts, with our consciousness in ourselves, in each other, in the world. And certainly for me, what seems to be the supersizer is a group of any size. And as Lee mentioned, one thing that I've been working on since 2007, I've been looking at the power of intention since the 1990s, but I started working with it and studying it and measuring it and also experimenting with small groups in 2007 and eight. And what I have now seen thousands of times, thousands of times is people spontaneously healing after one 10 minute intention. But what I really encourage people to do is to work in groups consistently, because when I, I talk about this in my Power of Eight Intention masterclasses too, and other masterclasses that I run, the people who are going to get something out of this are the people who really connect with a group and work with their group week by week by week. One thing that I discovered recently, Lee, that I thought was really interesting is I was reading about uh, children who have been abused or have suffered attachment problems, which have been identified by psychologists for, for many decades. You know, they have a problem then with attachment. And it has always been assumed that, you know, if a kid has this as a child, then that's it. You know, they, they suffer for life. But I found that one interesting way they have discovered, particularly with delinquent teenagers, is a group. A group heals and creates that new attachment. And I have found that with Power of Eight groups. And I think this is a real piece of not only the power that it gets created in Power of Eight groups, but also a little signpost of where we have to go in this new time with these new small communities. Because what I have found is when people start meeting week after week and doing intention together for each other, it creates essentially a new connection, a deeper connection, an intention family. Um, I had a guy talk to me the other day, um, a guy called Jerry who said he, he was in one, class and then he decided to take another one. He was in one power of eight group and he decided to form another one just because of all of this isolation during COVID, he found he'd received more love than he'd ever had in his life through this group. And I think this is the takeaway for us now is how we're going to move forward. We have isolated ourselves to the max with the way we live our modern lives. You know, we are so isolated, we don't know our neighbors, we don't know anything like that. And the new, I think the new connections are gonna be like the old connections of small communities that do this kind of intention work together. And I think that is going to be our, one of our powerful ways forward. What? Yeah, oh. go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> what I love about that, Lynn, is that the power of eight groups, they don't have to be living next to each other. This is the magic of 
the field where you can have someone in Israel and someone in Australia and someone in Canada and someone in the US create a group and distance doesn't matter. The intent to connect and the coherence that is generated can happen regardless of the distance that you are in. That is the beauty of what Lynn is saying, is that innately within us, we have the equipment to connect profoundly with each other. And when all of this real tumultuous change happened, Lee and I were on tour in Iceland and then COVID came and I could not enter back into the US because I'm still an Australian resident. I'm waiting on my visa. And so I was left behind in Iceland for three months. And this is how energetically you stay connected. When you have a love connection, and even for those who are parents right now and they've lost their children, you are profoundly connected with them still. The love that you generate, it lasts forever. It doesn't go away. And that's why for many the grief is still so uh, tangible even 20 years after because the love doesn't die. And that connection that we share, the brain doesn't know past, present, and future. It only knows the now. And having that connection is the key because the connection, it doesn't just happen when you come together to do an intention. So you come together to do an intention, but when you go to sleep at night, when you wake up, it's a 24-7 connection. It continues beyond just that moment. But what I love is the accountability you start creating because if you're doing it by yourself, you can easily just not have accountability when life gets too busy and you have things to do. But if you have a support network, you have more of an accountability to to show up and to make a difference. Are you finding that as well, Lynn, that people become more accountable and when you're in service to doing it for others, you tend to do it more than if you're just trying to do it in service to yourself? Absolutely, Monica. Thank you for that. Um, And all of those insights, the whole idea of creating this virtual community now in this COVID, in lockdowns, we may go down into lockdown again over here in the UK. You know, it, we're going in and out of this now. We have restrictions about who can travel where. Um, one of the antidotes to that has been creating these virtual groups. Mm-hmm. Now, in my courses, when I put people into groups, like with our Power of Eight Intention Masterclass, uh, they're all virtual. Many of them have met for years and they've never actually physically met. Yet these people are closer to them in many ways than their own family. Mm. And and they have, some of our groups actually have met. I have one group that was on a retreat with us that are all scattered out in the Far East and they came together for one of their weddings. We have people who have been meeting since uh, 2013. Uh, So yes, 
the big piece is this accountability. I have a woman called Lori who had suffered from terrible chronic fatigue and she did an intention with her group to find the source of this because she had tried everything, every alternative thing she could. And the act of having to show up and she said, I, I, I made it a vow. I was going to find this. So she, that mobilized everything in her body and everything in her mind to find the source of it. And it turned out she had mold in her dressing room, unbeknownst uh -huh. to her, terrible black mold that was really killing her. And they mm -hmm. cleaned that out and, you know, Lori's on hikes and she's lifting weights now. But it is that whole thing of showing up. And also the other thing you mentioned, the altruism piece, the whole idea that you're not intending for yourself all the time. And that's been one of the really dark things that our little flashlight we've been talking about is shining a light on. The whole me decade, me focus, you know, that's a problem with personal development. It's all about me, 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 me. But my work is about other help, not self-help. And in that other help, there is this extraordinary rebound effect because I have found that many people with intractable illnesses, whether it's depression, as it was with a guy like Wes, or not being able to move forward with a project as it was with Andy, who wanted to, uh, Lisa, who wanted to get a book published, or Andy who was trying to find a job. As soon as they focused on somebody else, miracles happened and everything fell into place. And Lisa wrote a bestseller and Andy found a miracle and dream job and Wes cured his depression, but it was all about other focus. And so I think that's part of this new reality is an awareness that, you know, for Christmas, we don't need another sweater. We need a connection. And that's what we're going to start seeing is maybe coming back to the idea of small communities, the way we used to have them. Um, we have got to the point where we have almost erased community. And yet when you look at the science of community, it is probably the most important thing that a human being needs. We need connection more than we need food, more than we need water. We need connection um, and it can kill us if we don't have it. And I think that is, and it's certainly been demonstrated in science, one of the reasons that people are suffering so much, not only in COVID, but generally in modern life because we've lost connection. So hopefully this is the way, this is one of the ways forward. Absolutely, absolutely. There's a deep connection to yourself, which will then filter out and change to others. There's a quote I read recently in a book, a brilliant book, Ancient Secrets of a Master Healer. And the book begins with a powerful quote because when you, when you get into this space and you see the miracles unfold and you turn sideways and you look at someone else who is in so much pain, so much fear, so much suffering, and you have the knowledge now, 
inside. You've changed. You've realized that there are amazing things that happen. How do you communicate that to someone who is in fear? They have filters and blocks. They're on a narrative. They're on a story. They don't want to hear about what you have because they're so stuck in their train of thought. And this quote really made an inspiration for me. And it says that I did not come to teach you. I came to love you. Love will teach you. And I feel that if we start embodying that attitude, I didn't come to teach you. I just came to love you because love is going to teach you. And that is where the community and the connection can begin from that place. Absolutely. 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 Mm. Now, I want to ask Lee about Mm. Indigo Children and where they're going to fit into the new, you know, our, our future, basically, our new community, our new lives. These are now adults, although Indigo Children are continuing. They are uh, different thinkers. And if you go back to the Indigo Children book, that that book shocked everybody because it was the bestseller of Hay House in that year. And that was uh, many years ago. Um, lots of, I forget how many. But many people how now understand that word and that we kind of launched, as you said, that that phrase. What we said back then when they were kids is they were system busters. They would not, they knew better. So, for instance, um, they were above the the old systems that they saw, and it looked like they were rebels. And yet, they were just they were just expressing themselves because they they knew better than to do things that were dysfunctional that they were told to do, whether it was their parents or whether it was their teachers or whatever. That's a different kind of a thinker. You might think uh, to, for a minute that uh, they're going to grow up and be troublemakers. They're going to be growing up, and they're here now as young people who are watching this. And this is the difference. Uh, let me just tell you something that, that fits into this. For all these years that I've been presenting, I've been traveling and I present to crowds. This is not, uh, the streaming has only been in the last year. And of those crowds, almost always, my group was 40 and over. That's who came to see me. Because those people have had their kids and, you know, they're now starting to turn inward and this is what they're doing. That has flipped completely because we know the demographics of who's watching and who watches our shows, who comes to our programs. And also we're starting to go out again. And these these are young people. They're under 40. And that is the Indigo children. In other words, they're coming in with equipment to recognize the kinds of things that we are teaching, that Lynn is teaching. And that wasn't the case before. We were talking to older folks, and now we're talking to younger folks. Lynn, you'll, you'll like this, because when we did the field show um, and the movie, they, they featured, uh, in my case, we were in the Habima Theater in Jerusalem. Um, I think that's right. Tel Aviv. And, was it? Tel Aviv. The tel- in Tel Aviv, uh, sorry. And this theater holds a thousand people and it was packed and it was sold out. And I was on the stage channeling and in the lights that they give you, I couldn't see the audience. And it was later when I saw the pictures, I saw that most of the audience was in T-shirts. In other words, we were talking to the young people and that shocked me. But then I went and I had a big aha. These are the ones who are going to make the difference there. 
These are the ones who are looking at the situation in Israel um, and that's always been there and are going to make the change. It's already starting to happen, uh, changing the leadership and all. So they are forward thinkers, ready to do the kinds of things that we are talking about. Intent. Intent. I want you to listen to that. People who think that the power of eight and you're listening to this is a, it's a therapy group are wrong. The, you don't get together and talk about your problems. It's an intent group. That is very forward thinking. That's what Lynn has done. Intention is the key. That is a consciousness that carries so much power that we it's, it, it's, it's beyond the narrative and the story that anybody told you. Uh, it's not positive thinking. We are actually sending energy to one another, to the planet. And it's um, the, the idea of doing it in groups is fantastic because the light is brighter. So you're not only helping yourself, you're helping the planet. And this is the answer. If we can come back together as, as communities, even a large city in small communities with intent, doing the kinds of things that the power of aid is doing, that I predict that is coming. But uh, the, uh, more than that, they're going to discover that there is a grander truth here that nobody has taught you. And that is the magnificence of the human being and the power that we have to create our own reality. And that is what we teach. And that is what Lynn is teaching. Absolutely. And thank you so much, Lee, for defining intent, because people do think of it as a kind of desire or they think of it as prayer. Now, prayer is more of a supplication um, in, in the sense that a lot of people will say, depending on which God they believe in, thy will be done, it's in so many words. You, know, you decide. What we're really doing is a highly focused mind state that is putting out a very specific request to the universe. And that is, and the problem people don't really realize that is something that I teach a lot is becoming much more conscious of what you're broadcasting because people think of intent or intention as the one little power thought they may have first thing in the morning or when they're doing their meditation. They send that out and that they think that's the only thing the universe hears. But we all have about 70,000 thoughts a day. And most of those thoughts are undermining and negative in most cases. And when I have people start monitoring what they're doing and what they're thinking, they're kind of shocked at what they're, at the judgments they hold, at the flotsam and jetsam that's going through their heads and all the mendacity by which they live their lives in terms of their thoughts. So that's also an intention and that becomes your life's intention. But what we look at Two is, as you say, focusing, focusing on and, and really focusing on some change. That's all we do in Power of Eight groups. That's all that I teach. It's about change, personal change, change for other people, change for the planet. I'm so fascinated by what you're saying about the audiences being young. I'm just starting to creep out there. We're doing a retreat in Costa Rica in a few weeks, and I'm creeping out in 2022 to a few choice events. As you say, a lot of this we're doing is online, but I'm fascinated to hear that new audience is young people. I heard about an event in New York that was run just before COVID, 
And it was run by a left-wing magazine that was the future of capitalism, it was called. And they were going to have a debate and it was going to be them. And then they had somebody from a libertarian magazine. So they brought these two sides together thinking they're gonna have 60 people in the audience. They had to up the capacity of their audience twice. And more than 500 people came totally sold out, people climbing all over each other and they were all under 30. They were all saying, you know what? This system that we've grown up in is broken. It's, there's nothing here for us. We have climate issues, we have financial issues, we have all of these things. This is not a world for us. We need to make something new. And so that's so interesting. And I feel really, really heartening to know that young people are searching for a new way to be, because that's what we all need. We all need essentially to relearn how to be. And in some ways, we have to build from scorched ground and we all have to recognize this and celebrate it and celebrate this new generation. You're, uh, you're, on, you're on Facebook and that should tell you who's watching Facebook. <laughs> and if you look to the demographics of Facebook, it isn't the older folks. It isn't. I mean, they don't even understand it. They don't want to go there because they don't understand it. And there are, of course, there are some who are who are finding out and watching. But just the fact that you're on Facebook right now tells me that there are young people watching and uh, they're they're very interested in this. Um, and they should be. This is you know what? This is the new science and this is the future. And the study of energy, of course, has always been there, but it's been the study of energy that you could see and feel and measure in the past. And now the study of energy, I want to tell you, is going to be consciousness. Lynn has been able to measure it first, see it in a way that has then um, come to many others who are doing the same thing. And uh, uh, but the biggest I think the biggest thing, if you didn't know, is what happened and, and you have heart math and the others when they saw the uh, effect of the magnetic grid of the earth when the twin towers were attacked and what they got to see was an instant reaction with the magnetic grid and the strength it tripled in strength for a moment or two and then it did again with the print with the death of princess die in other words the consciousness of the planet just thoughts affected the entire magnetic grid of the earth. That ought to get you excited because that's the first time they saw a correlation that you could show and prove. Satellites measured it between thought and physics. Bingo. Now we know something very, very strongly and matter-of-factly that we never knew before. There's a connection. What we think changes physics. So why not now then? go with this idea that if you get groups of people with intention and focused intention, now Crian calls that pure intent, focused intention, you're going to get change because it is measurable energy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, what, what we have demonstrated also is that these small groups can change the environment around them. I've had many groups of my power of eight groups try for more rainfall, for instance, if they need it in their area. And they've actually gone and got 
statistics from their local chamber of commerce about rainfall levels before and after and shown big differences as though there was just rain coming down in their one little community and not the communities around them. And we've had people do all kinds of things, grow things more quickly, all kinds of things to demonstrate the powers they hold inside them. So you can think of these little power of eight groups as being crucibles of change, not only for yourself and not only for the people in your group, but the people around, around you. Now, one of the pieces I talked about in terms of al altruism, I talked about that being really meaningful in power of eight groups, but this is going to be another aspect. And Lee and Monica have talked about the power of love. We always think about, you know, giving. It's a nice thing to give. It's a good thing to give. You know, Thanksgiving, we say thanks for things. It's not a good thing to give or a nice thing to give. It's an essential part of the human experience. Um, I've looked at a great deal of study about what we need in, when I was trying to see was Darwin right, were we made to be competitive and individualistic? And the big giant answer to that is no. The science shows that we need belonging more than we need to eat, as I mentioned before, but we also need to give. We need to give. There was such an interesting study done in Harvard, started in the 60s, and they looked at what they thought were the best and the brightest, took all the greatest guys. They were all guys, you know, the ones with the perfect physiques, the brightest ones, all of these beautiful specimens. And one of them was Jack Kennedy. And they measured them and they followed them for decades. And all of us, and they thought these guys were headed for the top. They were all going to have amazing careers. Now, other than Jack Kennedy and a few others, they were a disaster. Many of them didn't follow any of the prescriptions that they felt were going to happen to them. They ended up, one ended up being a drug addict, another one, and dined on old stories of glory. They just weren't going anywhere. And the person who ended up making the biggest difference, it was so interesting, had had a bad time of it until he was in a hospital and he started helping others in the hospital. And he suddenly recognized that the key to ending what was depression for him was following a life of service. And he, once he found his calling, he completely turned his life around. And I see that over and over again, that people who do things for other people, no matter how small, live longer, healthier, happier lives. So one of the new pieces is moving away from the me decade, the me, the me life that we've all been leading and turn that into something else, the other life. And when you embrace that service as a part of your life, essential part of your life, you also will see healing. And that's what I've seen too. As soon as people get off of themselves, as I put it, um, with, with a lot of my groups, if people are stuck, I usually say to them, get off of yourself. You know, start intending for someone else and see what happens. And invariably that heals the sender. That's the staple of our work. You just defined it in a whole nother way. It, it truly is. And what Cryon has, has, has given us in wisdom 
is that very, very thing. He says, when you are working with someone else very profoundly, if you're giving intent for them, if you're helping them, your entire body receives the same kind of healing you're broadcasting. We have a healing show and we talk about this all the time. It's so interesting because you have the evidence and you've said it uh, with people and watching them change when all they do is intend for someone else. So this is a uh, I would say a, a staple of our work. It's an attribute that most people don't realize and see that what you give to others, you're giving also to yourself in a very profound way, including profound healing. And you want to wonder where it came from. And you, you realize, well, I, I got off of myself <laughs> and I'm concentrating very, very deeply on someone else and helping them. And suddenly I come back and find that it's happened to me too. So thank you for putting that in another language. Uh, but that is that is true. Absolutely true. And it's more true today in this new energy that we are in than it was 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Not only are people having new thoughts about systems, they're having new thoughts about themselves and what they can do. And it sounds like Pollyanna stuff. But honestly, really, truly, we have a new energy. Um, energy of enablement right now that we didn't have before. And I just, for those old souls are here, can't you feel it? And the old souls that I see coming in now are, are so many young people who get it, who, who really get it. And they're getting it in a, in a time when I was their age, I, that would never have occurred to me to even look, you know, we were interested in other things and we were interested in other things in our careers and all uh, but these young people are just putting all of that aside and looking at the, the reality of themselves, their systems um, and all. And what I like is there's there's a maturity in it that we didn't have 20, 30 years ago. The young people have a maturity here. Says instead of instead of let's march in the street, they're saying, what else is there that we can do to make an impact on the world, on ourselves, on our countries, on our systems? that is not disruptive. And that mm -hmm. is new. That is, a, that is a new concept and it's a mature concept and it's what Lynn is teaching. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know what's so interesting, Lee, too, is they are studies that have been done on young people. I've seen some surveys and they found that they use, they use the power of their wallets. Mm -hmm. What are they going to back? You know, if they don't, if they think a company is corrupt, mm -hmm. they don't buy from that company. Mm -hmm. They don't buy any of their products mm -hmm. and they're choosing the kind of food they want to eat, the, the kind of um, brands they want to support. And I think that's also a sense of just more of a down to earth power that we have. One of the things that we're all going to have to realize and experience now is there's no turning away. We all have to step up to the plate. We all have to participate now. If we want to create a new reality, we all have to do it. And we all have to assist the old in dying now. It's more important than ever. And I think that these small communities are empowering. As I mentioned before, they are a group is more than anything else. Um, a cauldron, a crucible of power and, and transformation. And, you know, we all feel supported because that's the human need. The ultimate human need is to belong. So I feel that these are going to be crucibles of change. 
This is Lynn McTaggart, helping you to live the new science. Thanks for listening. I look forward to connecting again.